Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Hello everyone. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Andrew. Uh, Stefan wasn't lying. My name is really Andrew. Um, I'm the worship pastor for this church and for Shofar Roosevelt or Randburg. And it's a great privilege. Uh, sure, yeah. About 24 hours ago, I was lying in bed with a bad stomach bug, and here I am. I woke up this morning and I was feeling much better. I gave Henny a call last night and said to him, Listen, you, you, know, you might have to have something in your pocket, you know, some kind of backup, a little sermon in the pocket. And uh, Henny, as true as he is to uh, loving the word, had a message in his pocket even, <laughs> even up till now. Um, I'm just grateful that I'm here. Uh, you know, men, when we get sick, it's almost the end of the world. So I thought I was dying last night. I'm all right. I'm alive. Must be a miracle. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the Word of God. I'm, I'm super excited about what God's had on my heart. Uh, I've shared this message in, uh, at, on Randberg's side. Some of you might have been there. Saw Henning somewhere. Henning? No? No Henning? Okay, thought I saw him. Um, and, uh, but I, I really feel God wants to speak to us about this. Uh, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the funny thing is that word strength in different translations is strength, stronghold, or protection. Um, and I just wanted to know, who, who wants a bit more joy in their lives? Anybody can do with some joy? Okay. And uh, in whatever form you understand it, who wants to see revival in their lifetime? Okay, and uh, who wants to know God more? Hopefully, hopefully everyone, okay? Um, well, what's very exciting is what I'm going to speak about tonight out of this passage uh, is actually a real key to revival as we know it, and revival's fruit is always great joy. So I'm very excited about this. Um, I also want to say just a dis disclaimer off, off the bat is, uh, and I think it's the case with most people sharing messages, is that I don't understand this message altogether myself. I hope that's okay. It's a message that God is t talking to me about, and that I'm chewing, trying to understand, praying through. I feel this is a huge message, um, yeah, that God is just dealing with all of us with, uh, I think it's a very important message. Okay. Something a bit different. I want to ask if we can all just stand together while we read the Word of God. We're going to read from Nehemiah 8, uh, verse 1 to verse 12. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. And so Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both the men and the women and all who could understand what they heard. And on the that was on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it from, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and women and all those who could understand. The ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for this purpose, uh, and beside him stood a whole lot of names that I shall not try and pronounce. We'll be here till very late. And a whole lot of other names 
uh, on his left. So on his right and on his left, all these guys. Um, I said in the other, <laughs> I said in the uh, in the sermon in Randburg that I, you know, I love spending time with Henny before these sermons because it helps me a lot. If anyone ever gets the opportunity to preach, please spend time with Henny beforehand. Uh, what the Lord has laid in your heart might change a little bit uh, when you spend time with Henny because he helps you to understand a bit better what God is saying. Um, you need it. But what, when we read through this portion of Scripture, Henny was adamant to pronounce every single name that I left out here, and I'm not going to do it again. Um, Rochelle walked into the room, and she was like, what is going on here, <laughs> getting through these names? Um, anyway, from verse 5. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And also, all these names, uh, the Levites helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way. Eat the fat, drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions, and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. You guys can have a seat. Just pray for us quickly. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Uh, we just really want to come right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, help us to actually be as attentive as these people, God. Let us be as attentive as these people to your word right now, God. Let us hear you, what you want to say. And, and I just want to commit my mouth to you, my heart to you, and just really want to pray. Let your will be done. Let your word be shared tonight, God, what you're saying to us, God, right now, to us, this, just this group of people that are here, uh, we, we, hear, we, we open our hearts to you, we open our, our yeah, we just open our hearts to you, uh, we want to hear your voice, we're here because we want to meet with you, <laughs> that's why we're here, and, uh, and we're so, we're so, we just really have that great desire to meet with you, uh, thank you that you are here, you are in our midst, thank you, Lord, that you inhabit the praises of your people, and we have praised you, we have lifted your name high, and we've even re responded to you in worship. We thank you that you are here in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I love this portion of scripture. I've never really studied it as much as I did in preparing for the sermon. Um, I don't know if anyone else really likes the book of Nehemiah. Is anyone brave enough to say that they've never read Nehemiah before in their lives? Okay. Thank you. Thank you for those brave people. You're not brave. You just, you know, I haven't read Leviticus. Or maybe you've read Leviticus. I haven't read, read Leviticus yet. Um, I'm going to take it section by section just through this portion of Scripture. Um, 
It's going to be broken down into four sections. First one being the sound of the word. Second one being the sense of the word. And then we're going to unpack a little bit, because it's huge topics, a little bit around the holiness of God. And then we're going to end kind of with the joy of God. All right. Just a few snippets from the first portion or first few verses of this text uh, around the sound of the word. Some things that stand out for me, uh, well, all the people gathering as one man. What's amazing for me is that God's done, just to give you some context, so um, Book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah is serving the Babylonian king as his cupbearer, and, uh, and he's got a huge burden on his heart for his homeland, which is Jerusalem or the people of Israel, and, uh, and he asks the king if he can go back because he, he's heard a report that uh, the walls, there's no walls to the city, and he's got a huge burden on his heart to see the rebuilding of the walls, but not just the rebuilding of the walls. He, he actually has a burden to see the rebuilding of the people of God and the rebuilding of, of, uh, of, yeah, of God's people, the city of God. So in a few different kind of uh, waves or whatever you want to call it, uh, the people return to Jerusalem. So the people get out of captivity out of Babylon. They were in captivity for 70 years, and they start coming back to, to, is to Jerusalem. Um, what's amazing here is the people gathering as one man. They told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses. I, I think that's profound, because that just means like they acknowledged and they recognized that God was doing something incredible in their midst. Uh, God was busy really doing something, putting something together, and they said, listen, bring the word of God. We need, to, we need to hear the word of God. We really do. And so they said to the scribe, bring the book. Um, what was also incredible out of this little portion is that it actually says both the men and the women and all who could understand. Uh, and it's actually referring to younger, ch like children, children up to a certain age that could actually understand what was going to happen now what we're going to get into, but pretty much the reading of the word. So everyone was there, and everyone was attentive. Yeah, amazing. Um, he read the word, read the book of the law from early morning until midday. Okay, that was a six-hour reading, right? It's a very long time. It's a very long time. I hope there were portable toilets close by or something, because, I mean, yeah a long time to sit in one place and, and listen. Um, the ears of all the people were attentive and, uh, and just amazing as he read it, as he opened the book, the people stood up. There's something hugely profound also there just in terms of respecting the word of God. Um, in the Presbyterian church actually there's still a, a tradition that the people stand. And actually, it's different nowadays, but back when the Presbyterian Church was kind of, let's say, launched or formed, uh, the Presbyterian Church is pretty much the Scottish, let's say the Anglican, the Anglican Church for the Scottish, in a way. So when they decided they're not going to be Roman Catholics anymore, they're going to actually take on the Reformation teachings. They formed the Presbyterian Church. Um, they had an interesting tradition where they actually had a person who would carry the word of God into the church. And as that person came into the church, everyone stood up because the word of God was being brought into the church and then he'd put it down 
and then the, the minister of the word would come in and expound the word of God. And uh, there's just something special around that. And I think we'll, we'll see a bit of it now. And I don't think we should stand up every time we read the word, uh, or maybe we should, but I think it's more an attentiveness and more a respect for the word of God in terms of a love for the word of God and understanding the power of the word of God in our lives and really making it a priority in our lives. I think that's important for us. What's amazing here is um, the, it's actually pretty much from this time in history where the Jews became known as the people of the book. Uh, and it's actually from this time in history where the power started moving from the temple to the Torah or to the word of God uh, in Jewish history. And that's very, very interesting. Um, what's also very interesting, and funnily enough, uh, Henny and Lauren were speaking about it just now. Uh, it wasn't planned like this, but this was also around the time of the Feast of Trumpets um, or the Feast of the Shofars. It marked the beginning of 10 days of consecration and repentance to, uh, before God. It also marked the beginning of the Jewish civil calendar or the new year, the Jewish new year. All right, so it was pretty much the, the Jewish new year. So what was also quite, uh, quite special was Israel was saying, we really want to get back to God. We want to get back to God's word. We want to understand God's word. We want to also reestablish all his, all his uh, feasts that, he'd, that he taught us about and that are very important and that are holy to the Lord. We want to start establishing them again. So here they are, establishing the Feast of Trumpets. It was a very special time, um, and it led up to the 10th day, which was the Day of Atonement, and then the day 15 was the Feast of Tabernacles, Feast of Booths. I'm not going to go into all of those feasts right now. Welcome to read about it. But um, as the shofars were blown on the day of on the, or starting the Feast of Trumpets, people were called to repentance, to salvation, and to reliance upon God. Cool. We're going to move on to the next section, uh, the sense of the word. Yeah, I love this section. Um, it just highlights a little bit of a subject that I love very much. Uh, it says from verse 6, it says that Ezra blessed the Lord, uh, or he praised God. And the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Uh, what's so special here is just that kind of the worship of God, the praise and worship of God. And uh, there's actually two very specific uh, expressions of praise and worship in this text. The one is, uh, is just lifting of hands as an expression. I don't know if you guys make use of that, <laughs> but <laughs> that expression for me, uh, at least, and I think it's universal, uh, it's the universal sign of surrender when you lift your hands. So in the rule of, of war, or in the, let's say the law of war, um, if you raise your hands, you're not allowed to be shot or you're not allowed to be you know, taken out. Um, so surrendering is really just surrendering to God. And uh, really just, <laughs> I mean, how many times do we have to do that? I think a few times a day. Um, but just really giving up everything to God. Another thing is I see our hands as, as like a sign of, or like powerful, a sign of power in our, symbol of power in our lives. And it's almost like just surrendering our power to God and putting it under his power. Um, the other thing that they do is that they, and it's, 
you know, they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Um, bowing down is also just a, um, it's actually a response. So praise is an action, is usually you can see if someone's praising, it's like an action. Uh, and worship, some, you can't always tell if someone's worshipping because it's a response. And a lot of the time it's from our hearts. But if someone bows down, then you can really tell that they worshiping God, or really bowing down towards God. Um, so I, I kind of see, and I think I shared a bit about this in, in one of, in the second Hope Sermon that I preached about a month ago, um, but I think praise and worship, and where the Spirit moves and where God moves, and we always see like the words that come out of worship in, in both our congregations, uh, God is al- already like interpreting His Word for us, and He's speaking to us. Because that's what the interpretation of the word is, is God speaking to us, all right? So in praise and worship, God starts speaking to us. But what's incredible about this scripture is all these Levites. And, uh, and it says that about the Levites that they helped the people understand the law. And while the people remained in their places. Now that's quite interesting because you've got uh, Ezra standing on this raised platform reading the word of the law. And then it says that while the people remained in their places, the Levites were actually down there on the floor amongst the people explaining the word of God, like unpacking it, interpreting it for, for the people on the ground. Uh, now, there could be a few reasons for that. The one is that they were actually, they were 70 years in captivity. So their, their main language had now actually become Aramaic. And, uh, and so there could have been some translation going on between Hebrew and Aramaic. Um, also culturally, there's probably a lot of cultures that had, culturally they'd changed a bit in that 70 years in Babylon. And uh, the Levites were actually teaching them culture again, like godly culture. Um, so they're actually really like teaching them. And then also just explaining the, the text, uh, breaking it down for them to understand. Um, yeah, super special. I want to show you guys a quick video. Uh, I'm going to show you two snippets of, of a video that, that Henny made me aware of. Um, incredible powerful videos uh it's about the mook the malk people uh mark and gloria zook were missionaries american missionaries that went to a unreached tribe in the philippines i think it's the Fili- no papua new guinea papua new guinea and uh and it's called e e etau yeah i wrote it wrong yeah etau um i just want to can we watch that and it kind of should give you a bit of perspective of what I've spoken about now. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Incredible so far. Well, back, background, a little bit of background of the story. So they decided they're going to pretty much teach them. Well, they actually started even with geography. So they actually taught them about exactly where their island is in terms of the world. And then they taught them where Israel is or where Jerusalem is. And, where, and then they started speaking about the, the Bible, and they actually placed it, so they really gave it amazing context. And they broke down the word, and they also taught pretty much everything to do with blood sacrifice, uh, from Abel, Cain and Abel, right through to Abraham. And I just love what they did. They like kind of left it very open-ended with Abraham and his son. They, they, didn't, they kind of stopped the story before you know, God intervened. And, so, and then they only carried on the next day. So he kind of like left them thinking, like, what will, what will Abraham do? You know, will he do it? Won't he do it? What will happen? Will God intervene? And, uh, and it was incredible because it was really pushing them to think and to kind of 
yeah, really just grow and, and grapple with this whole thing. Um, also, just, yeah, they're taking them through the story of God, and they're really explaining it and, and expounding it to the people. And you can see, uh, and you'll see just now again, how they absorb the teaching and how they really just, they're so attentive, like just from the scripture, the same, like they're so attentive. And all the people, like the children are there, and they're so like just captured by the word of God. Uh, I just, I, I, I was super convicted by how they're sitting there, like they won't eat, like they're just listening, and they just want to hear the word of God. Um, and they just, and just the love that they have for Jesus already. Um, what was incredible also is like, now he's, you know, he's betrayed by Judas, and they don't know what's going to happen next. But, I mean, the, the sorrow that came, like, when they're like, what? You know, this is our hero. This is the one we love. And now he's betrayed, and he's like, you know, he's going to be on trial. Like, what's going to happen here? Um, we're going to move into the next section. Uh, don't worry. We will have a... We will resolve that. We'll move into the holiness of God. Huge topic. One that I can only really just uh, touch on. But in this scripture, it's from verse 9, it says, uh, Nehemiah, who was the governor and Ezra the priest, and the Levites, they said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept. All the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Uh, then they said to them, Go your way, eat and drink, or eat the fat and drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing already, for this day is holy to the Lord. Um, so the law convicted the people. And uh, you could see even in that video, the, the guys, like, they pretty much, and they were very honest, they just said, we are as guilty. And, and they showed them and they taught them about Sodom and Gomorrah. And they said, we are those people. We, we deserve God's judgment. Uh, we deserve that. And they were seeing, like, the, the reality of the law of God. Um, but why in this portion, this is, this is what broke my brain a bit, is why in this portion did, did they say, all, everyone pretty much who was standing there teaching, why did they say, do not mourn or weep? Why did they say, do not grieve? And, but at the same time, the time, they're saying, this day is holy to, our, to the Lord. Um, it kind of breaks my brain because when we think about the holiness of God, uh, many times, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, many times we are kind of, we're convicted and we think, oh, you know, God's angry and, you know, he's, he is holy and I can't stand in his presence. Um, and you kind of want to feel bad about uh, your life. <laughs> you kind of, you know, I, I just think of, uh, well, let me, let me, I, I'm going to get to what I want to say. I'm running ahead of myself. Uh, Amazing definitions that I've just picked out of two um, articles by John Piper on the holiness of God. Uh, just definition of the holiness of God. Uh, he says, everything begins with God. We don't understand the full significance of anything until we understand it in its relation to God. He was the one and the only fact a trillion centuries before the universe or man even existed. He is absolutely unique because he, is alone, he alone is infinite, unchanging, and eternal. Let this just sink in. He is infinitely more important than any man or woman. His value is supreme. He is in a class by himself. He is more worthy. He is 10,000 times more worthy. 
than any other class of beings. When we say that God is holy, we mean that along with the immeasurableness of his greatness, his character is unimpeachable. He cannot be charged with any wrong. And we do try to charge him with wrong all the time. Even when we say, why God? He cannot be charged with any wrong. <laughs> Breaks my brain. Won't lie to you. He, he has an infinite love for what is infinitely valuable and an infinite hate for what opposes the infinitely valuable. I'll just repeat that again because that just kind of gives you a bit of that why. He has an infinite love for what is infinitely valuable and an infinite hate for what opposes the infinitely valuable. His delight is praiseworthy. His de he delights in praiseworthy things is, and it's abound, unabounded. And his abhorrence of what is blameworthy is perfect. Okay. And a scripture that's also just kind of kept me intrigued. Psalm 29 verse 2 that says, Give unto the Lord glory due to his name. As we sang tonight, his name is glorious. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Sometimes I don't think we see the whole picture of what holiness is. I think we sometimes stop at one angle. Um, one thing that intrigues me also about the, the scripture in Isaiah 6, when the angels are flying around the throne of God and they're just saying, holy, 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 and they keep flying around. Um, they're seeing all different angles of God, but they just keep saying, holy, holy, holy. Uh, I think sometimes we have to just keep looking, <laughs> keep, you know, don't stop. Uh, don't stop looking at God and go, you know, okay, I think I understand his holiness now. You, we don't, you know, let's just keep looking. Um, but he's holy. He's he is holy. Um, what's funny, actually, in the scripture is that Isaiah's response is our response. <laughs> you know, Isaiah's response is, woe is me. <laughs> I'm a man of unclean lips. And, uh, and the good news is what happens to him. The angel comes and says he purges, he like takes a coal and puts it on his mouth. And he says, I've actually, your iniquity is purged. Uh, and it's actually just pointing to the salvation of God. Uh, and then, you know, I'll, I'll speak about what leads on from that, but just now. Just another little snippet from, um, from John Piper. It says, if we don't feel a sense of awe and fear and admiration for the infinite holiness of God, which opposes evil with wrath and fury, then all our other feelings and thoughts will be defective at best. So there's a lot to think of while we'll be here forever, thinking about the holiness of God. One thing I read, which really also broke my brain, was um, the law of God. Um, let's say the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments um, are actually mercy for us. Did we, did we know that? God is holy. So the fact that he gave us Ten Commandments of how to deal with him is actually mercy already. Because God is holy. God is who he is. And he's giving us something to go, if you want to be with me and I really want to be with you, then this is how it's going to have to work. This is, who, this is kind of who I am. And this is all I can think of, like how you can deal with me now. Um, 
that also just uh, challenged me quite a lot. Last, last section, the joy of God. What I love um, about this scripture is it's, it kind of gives the reason why they must not be grieved when they're, reading, when they're weeping because of the law of God. Uh, it says, do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It says the Levites calmed the people. Okay, you can imagine. Must have been chaos. Uh, be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be great, grieved. And, uh, and then it says, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and make great rejoicing because they had understood the words. Uh, so it's, I think there's a bit missing there, but they really understood the word of God. They understood finally what was happening here. And they understood what was, what was being com uh, communicated with them that day. Um, what's amazing about the joy of the Lord is your strength. Is It's uh, a scripture that's quoted a lot. Um, but I don't think we completely understand what it's saying, if I can say it like that. Uh, if you read the scripture again, and we just break it up, we can almost stop with the first four, wo four, four words or five words. The joy of the Lord. In other words, God's joy. The joy that God has in and of himself. His joy is your strength. Okay? It's not about the joy of the Lord that I have when I have it. It's my strength, you know, or my joy that I get from God. No. God's joy that he has is my strength. God's joy is my stronghold. God's joy is my protection. So it's about God's joy. Sometimes when you think about the holiness of God, somewhere in the midst of that, if you, especially if you're going through something tough or something that you're wrestling with, when you think of the holiness of God, it kind of puts you off God sometimes or kind of creates some distance between you and God. But what's crazy is that God is infinitely happy He's infinitely joyful, and his joy and his holiness, they, they're fine being together. All right, I can tell you that now. Um, they, they're fine. They, they manage. Uh, it's him. He's happy. He's joyful. Um, sometimes I wonder if we believe that. Do we believe that God is happy? Do we believe that he's super joyful? Uh, well, I'm going to share some scriptures with you, uh, just kind of illustrating it. What is the source of God's joy? What brings him great joy? We're going to read a few scriptures around that now. Amazingly, from Isaiah 6, holy, 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 we get to Isaiah 12, where it says, Sing or shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So the command is shout and sing for joy, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. So the response to God's holiness is absolute joy and not woe is me. Okay? Zephaniah 3.17. I don't know if anyone else has this as one of their favorite scriptures. But uh, I love it. Uh, the joy of the Lord, or the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Don't feel bad to sing loudly, because God does it. He sings over us very loudly. When you, this, the word rejoice, or exult, actually, means violently spinning around. He 
he dances, he violently dances over you, and it's in this context of salvation, in this context of salvation. Jumping to the New Testament, if you, <laughs> funnily enough, we don't usually think of the Old Testament God in this way, but for you who thought it's only in the Old Testament, let's go to the New Testament. Um, Luke 15 says, just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. Salvation. Luke 10 verse 21. In that hour Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Funnily enough, the same, the same action. When it says that Jesus rejoiced, it means he spun around, he spun about. He was so happy. This was when the, when the I think it was the disciples returned from, how many, just, or 70. They, they returned with all testimonies of salvation and healing and deliverance. And Jesus just rejoiced. It was amazing. Um, then I just love this because it kind of gives us also some good context. In Hebrews 12 verse 2, I know a lot of us also love this scripture. But there's one little portion here that says looking unto jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross so from all these scriptures i i really got a, a strong sense and understanding that god's joy is salvation god's joy is sharing that salvation with us god's joy is having us with him that is his joy his joy is us and him together and he's made the way for us through Jesus. So, yeah, I've written a lot down here, but I'll skip. I just love this because if you didn't notice yet, this is actually a revival happening here in the Old Testament. It's a revival, and it's actually got a lot of these threads that we see in a lot of the revivals over the history of the church also. The Word of God, the Word of God being explained, the holiness of God. I can tell you now, a lot of the, the incredible revivals that have happened in history have been, there's, there's one revival, the Great Awakening, John, Jonathan Edwards in America. I mean, he had a sermon. <laughs> he had a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That was the sermon. And, uh, and he said, one of his um, tactics was he said he would dangle the people over the flames of hell and then he'd give the good news after that. And he said people would get saved <laughs> because the good news was good news. Sometimes I think we forget why it's good news. Okay, we, sometimes, we love to agree with the fact that it's good news. We love it. But, uh, but why is it good news? It's good news because we have been rescued. We have been saved. We have been saved, and God's great joy is to save us. This was a revival in the old time. Um, I want to show the second clip, and uh, yeah, for me, just think of just think of joy, and think of uh, what we've been speaking about here in this scripture. Psalm eighty-five, verse six says, "Revive us again, O God. I know you will." Give us a fresh start. Then all your people will taste your joy and gladness. In Psalm 51 it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
Yes, Father, we just thank you tonight, God, that we can just bring our hearts to you, Lord. God, we thank you for just saving us, Lord. We thank you, God, for that day, Lord, when you saved us, God. Lord, you rescued us, God, and you continue to rescue us, and you continue to save us, Lord. And we thank you tonight that we can celebrate it as your great joy to save us, God. We can celebrate it as your heart to save us, God. It's not just something that you do, one of your functions. It's who you are, God. You are a joyful God who loves to save his people and who will forever save his people and who will forever rescue his people and who will forever deliver his people, heal his people. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good God. You are joyful. You are so happy, God. And God, tonight, we want to contend for that, God. We want to contend for that truth, God, in our midst, Lord. We want to contend for that truth in our hearts, and not just our hearts, Lord, but our friends and family, God. You are a happy God. You are so happy, God. You are so joyful. And you are also a holy God, Lord. Lord, thank you, Father. I just want to thank you tonight, God, for Jesus. Thank you for the, the sacrifice, God. You had to make that sacrifice. You had to make that sacrifice to, to meet the need that judgment had, God. Judgment needed a sacrifice. We cannot be saved outside of Jesus. We cannot. There's nothing good enough in us. Nothing. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that when you say holy is the Lord now, we can run towards you, God. Thank you, Lord, that we run towards you, Father. God, I want to pray for every heart here, Lord, including my own, God. Lord, that we run into your presence, God. Thank you, Lord, that in the book of Hebrews it says, enter boldly his throne room of grace. Thank you, Father, that grace is not a New Testament thing. Grace, grace is not a new thing. You are gracious. It's who you are, Lord. You have always been gracious. Everything you do that's good towards us is grace. Thank you, Lord. God, we run towards you, Lord. We run towards you as you are, Lord. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for salvation, God. Just think of, uh, oh, Father, we just, just in this story about the walls of Jerusalem, God, I just think of that scripture in Isaiah 60 that says, you will call your walls salvation. God, and I want to pray even now, God, and us as a body, we pray for this nation, God. This is our nation, Lord. This is our nation, God. Not Jerusalem, not this is our nation. South Africa is our nation, God. And God, we want the walls to be salvation in this nation, Lord. We contend for salvation in this nation, Lord. We ask you for salvation in this nation, Lord. I pray for a bird, just that burden, God, and I know many of us, or some of us will feel it stronger than others, God, but... I believe you're pouring out a burden in this nation for salvation and you're pouring out a burden for this nation and a heart for this nation like never before, God. I believe, God, that you're doing stuff in our hearts and you're changing hearts, you're raising us up to be part of your plan in this nation. And we're excited about that, God. 
We're excited, God, mostly from this scripture because we know great joy, God, will, will be the fruit of salvation in this nation. Great joy and rejoicing. And God, I almost see, God, how, I almost want to trust, Lord, that we will rejoice like the Malk people, Lord, together as a nation because of salvation in our midst, because of Jesus who has saved us. So, God, we ask you for these things, Lord. We ask you to come and do amazing things in our midst. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.jarberg.com.